Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic and Green Magic. This is a half-hour herbal medicine class every Tuesday evening, and I see the songs aren't working quite well yet, so what we're going to do is play this one. This is Six Sun by our good friends Woven Green, and here's a plug from Nathan Lane Anderson. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. about it oh i'm just saying it's uh you know um, I'm a nice person i'm sharing time with i'll say that <laughs> well put very well put everything is brighter when shared with more eyes yes exactly yes how wonderful I have a couple of interesting things in front of me, talking about shared eyes. Uh You remember that last week I talked about being out in Seattle to celebrate my friend Miriam Dyack's 70th birthday. Yes. And as a gift to each one of us who came to celebrate with her, she gave us a booklet of her drawings and her poetry. And one of the reasons that I love Miriam Dyack is because I really, really love her poetry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I want to read 
just a couple of her poems, short ones. Sure. Um, so that maybe other people will love Miriam Dyack too, and uh, look her up. D Y A K Miriam Dyack. This one is called "Be Ready." Be ready for inevitable talons that grip you up through hot green summer grass and carry your flailing little mouse self into a sun-blinded sky. If you would be food for gods, if you would offer up your spirit to the source, then let go of all that pitying nonsense. Let go your cherubic candy visions of any enlightenment less fierce, less absolute than the hawk's blazing yellow eye. I love it. <clears throat> I had a revelation that people, myself included, Avoid being in the moment because the moment is vast, huge, overwhelming. You, you, you can get totally lost in there. What if no one finds you? What if you can't find yourself? The moment is gigantic and full to overflowing with life. To pause and feel the richness of the moment is to let in a thunderstorm of taste, sky, a oh, mountain of colors open up to a river of feelings, a river that leaps its banks. This moment, this moment will take all day. In fact, it will take your entire life. And who has time for that? Wow, that's good. Yeah. So she has a sense of humor, too. I like in the first one about how it's um, experiential because they're talking a little bit about something with enlightenment. You know how lofty that can be, and I like how it's like. But show me that if it's anything more or impressive than the you know the, the gaze, the focus of the hawk's uh, eyes, and the intensity of that moment. You know the intensity, the realness, the naturalness, all that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. <clears throat> and what do you think? One last one? Sure, yeah. This is from the woman who married a bear. I knew Miriam just after her second husband died. Of, uh, I'm not quite sure what happened to him, but they were out for a morning run and he fell down dead. And this was kind of the second husband who had died on her. So when she went, went to marry Richard, uh, several of us took Richard aside and said, Richard, you know, she's already killed two, so if you want out of it. <laughs> and Richard said, nah, I'm, I'm stronger than that. And he is literally a big bear of a man. And so this is an excerpt from a much longer poem. What they didn't know is how she entered him. How he opened to her like a blood-drumming sky. How she could play his thunder from inside the heart. And then how she learned to roar. They don't see as the sun turns at solstice. These two rise to fill the cave, the mountain, the entire night. 
woman moon, bear moon full, to bursting, vanishing into root substance, spilling into beads of light. There in the snow, a pool of gold, a chrysalis of spirit, out of which nothing ever known will be born. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> Miriam Dyack, D Y A K. Um, I met her back in the uh, 70s when I um, put together a health health conference here in Woodstock. <clears throat> I was so excited about um, all of the various things I was finding out about um, things that didn't have to do with drugs and surgery that I really wanted to share it with as many people, especially women, as possible. And so I and a few other women formed a coalition and invited other women to come and teach about what they knew about um, alternative medicines of various kinds. And Miriam Dyack was one of the women that we invited. Now, I also have an interesting book, booklet, in front of me. It's the size, full size of a sheet of paper, but not real long. And on the cover, it's a beautiful drawing of wild ginger. And it says, the planes won't stop flying. The cars won't stop driving. The plants won't stop growing. The plants won't stop healing. And this is a compilation of the art of Mimi Camp. And Mimi has contributed beautiful, beautiful black and white line drawings to this book. And they have then added quotes from Herbalus. Ryan Drum says, if laughter is the best medicine, maybe we should all be going to clown school instead of medical school. And then they have green blessings are everywhere from Susan Weed. And Terry Willard said, the plants are made up of several bodies. Their physical body, their etheric body, their astral or emotional body, and their mental body. And we can use all of these when we work with plants. Chanchal Cabrera reminds us, it is widely recognized that nature deprivation syndrome is a real phenomenon, manifesting as depression, ADHD, fibromyalgia, hypertension, and cancer, to name just a few of the diseases associated with separation from nature. Living in cities, driving everywhere, four-plus hours a day of screen time, exercising at the gym, Many people now spend less than 15 minutes outside every day. It's unrealistic, of course, to expect our patients to harvest their own medicines, but part of the solution to modern-day ills is to encourage people to get outside, to be in nature, and to de-stress. I was just writing my quarterly article for Sage Woman magazine, and I was writing about forest bathing. Have you heard of that? Forest bathing? Forest just, bathing, like bathing, but you're bathing in the um, the aura and the energy and the stuff of a forest. Oh, okay. Um. It's a technique that was started about 30 years ago 
in Japan of having seriously ill people or people recovering be in a forest. And it's become, I quote, the cornerstone of health maintenance and health care in Japan. Insurance will pay for forest bathing. And they've, you know, taken their sensitive instruments out into the forest and they said, oh, well, look at that. The plants are producing aromatic volatile compounds to protect themselves from bacteria and funguses and, and viruses and diseases. And those aromatic volatile compounds are in the air when you're in a forest. So you breathe them in and you benefit from them. I think most of us, if we've ever spent time in a forest, have a kind of, yeah, when somebody starts talking about forest bathing. Yeah. Yeah, right? Absolutely. When I was younger, that was a huge part of my changing spirituality was I felt like whatever definitions people told you deity was, and I'll keep this short, I used to walk out into the woods and think, well, this is what I think it is. You know, and it felt natural and right. Of course, now I'm you know, pagan and all of that. I didn't call it all those things back then when I was a kid, but that's what I evolved into. The flow of energy through the forest. The flow of energy that is right there in nature all the time as a gift to us that we don't have to do anything to deserve. That it just is, and we can open ourselves to it, and we can really allow ourselves to be in that. Forest bathing. There's now 42 certified forests for forest bathing in Japan. <laughs> Imagine populated. Imagine. Well, it's it's from it's, it's something as simple as what we're talking about. Go take a walk in the forest, or you can't walk. Go sit in the forest. To um, more like group therapy sessions. Wow. Where they you know take people into a forest and have they they have them experience the forest, and then they set them down and they have them talk. And I know. What we do at my moon lodges here is we sing some songs, we dance some dances, and then we sit down, and in age order, we each have an uninterrupted time to speak. And it is so moving, and it is so changing to people. So I can see that if this was combined with uh, being in a forest setting, having some time of quiet and being there, what a tremendous heart opening this could be. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think- hooray, hooray, the beginning of May. The fairy gates open. The fairies come out to play. It is time to go out in your garden and get body. 
because it said that the fairies only like people who know how to play and have a good time, and they won't come to the gardens of people who don't have a good time. So you can consider it your responsibility this week to be outdoors having a very good time, the best time you know how to have. And I hear they like butter. (laughs) (laughs) I have heard the strangest things about what fairies like to eat. I read one book that said they like to eat pineapple. (laughs) And I said, now that's very peculiar. How did the fairies even learn about pineapple? Come on. But I'm sure anything would make them quite pleased. Uh, but yeah. but mostly, apparently, what they're kind of listening out for and looking out for is human beings who are laughing and having a good time. And those are the places where they want to go and hang out for the summer. So, we've been talking about a wonderful book, Herbal Antibiotics, Natural Alternatives, for Treating Drug-Resistant Bacteria by Stephen Herod Booner. And he has divided his natural antibiotics up into four general categories. The systemic herbal antibiotics, the localized non-systemics, the synergists, and the first line of defense Herbs that strengthen the immune system. Out of the systemics, you and I have talked about artemisia and about artemisin, that amazing compound that has been found to kill malaria that was extracted from Sweet Annie. And under the localized non-systemics, we have talked about honey. The amazing wound healer that can counter even really scary flesh-eating bacteria. When we looked at the synergist, we talked about ginger and ginger's ability to warm and to open up digestion and to make everything from the belly out work better. And so now we are up to the first line of defense, strengthening the immune system. And of the herbs that he talks about, ashwagandha, astragalus, boneset, echinacea, eleutherococcus, redroot, rishi, and rhodiola, I want to talk about astragalus. Astragalus is a huge genus of some 3,000 species in the bean family. Formerly known as the leguminosite, now the Fabaceae. The primary species that is in current use and that is called Huangqi in China is Astragalus membranaceous, but uh, there's a lot of different species, and it hasn't been ruled out that any of them don't work. So don't 
worry about it a lot. I would say the only thing to worry about with astragalus, which can be bought on the open market, is that there is some concern that if it comes from China, that it might have been grown with chemicals that we would not have found on American plants, that, that we might not want to consume. Astragalus is such a wonderful herb that it has been uh, welcomed by American herbalists, and American herbalists are using quite a bit of it. I often think of it as the Chinese slippery elm. It's a soothing, nutritive, feels good, tastes good, easy to use kind of herb. Stephen Booner says that astragalus is an adaptogen, an antibacterial, an anti-hepatotoxic, an antiviral, a cardioprotective a diuretic, an enhancer of the functioning of the lungs, spleen, and gastrointestinal tract, an immune enhancer, modulator, and restorative, and a general tonic. Can you see why we love astragalus? Here is a bland herb that is not harmful in any quantity for anybody that has a slew of, yes, we want them and we want them now, characteristics. Astragalus increases interferon gamma and interleukin-2 levels. It enhances CD4 plus counts and normalizes the CD4-CD8 Ratio. Astragalus is a specific for immune atrophy and to enhance function in the spleen and the thymus. I want to go over a few of these because sometimes uh, it may seem like herbalists are speaking in code and, and what is this code? As a matter of fact, for many, many years, when I taught herbal medicine, the very first thing that I taught was all of these terms and what the meanings of them were, because they were, in a way, rather unique, I thought, to herbalism. But as I became more aware of the larger world of healing, I became acutely aware that the words that herbalists use had been co-opted by the medical profession, which, after all, once they were herbalists, too. And um, so I had to be... Uh, uh, back off a little bit from teaching the words because I didn't want people to get confused between what an herbalist meant by the word and what a medical doctor might mean by the word. But uh, this is Stephen Booner, an herbalist, talking, so let's see what he means. First of all, he says that astragalus is an adaptogen. And that's pretty much just what it sounds like. In other words, as consuming astragalus helps you adapt to stress. It strengthens the parts of the body that are weakened by stress or that are reactive to stress. And so it actually helps you to what I call stress-proof yourself and your life. And many people, I find, back off from really leaping into life and living fully because the stress puts them off. And what my teachers have said is seek out the stress and find ways to make yourself adapt to that stress. A wonderful teacher that I had named Irina said to us, life is a glacial lake. It is cold. 
And life is like lava. It is hot. If you don't jump into the glacial lake, if you don't jump into the lava, you are going to be a lukewarm drink. Adaptogens help us function at the level that we choose, at the greatest possible level that we want so that we can do all the many different things that we want to do in our lives. Antibacterial, I think, is pretty straightforward. It kills or gets rid of bacteria. Antihepatotoxic, let's break that down. We got that anti thing going on there. And then hepato means having to do with the liver, and toxic means toxic to the liver. So, to put this in a rather silly way, some people are concerned that comfrey, for instance, is hepatotoxic. So if you were concerned that comfrey was hepatotoxic, but nonetheless wanted to drink comfrey infusion, then you could make sure to also drink a stragulus infusion, which is anti-hepatotoxic, to counter the hepatotoxic effects. In other words, you could drink astragalus to make your liver well, even if something else had poisoned or done something bad to your liver. There are other anti-hepatotoxic herbs like milk thistle seed. Milk thistle seems to work best before the toxic event or the assault on the liver, whereas astragalus works before, during, and after. Antiviral, again, is pretty straightforward, like antibacterial. It helps the body to ward off and to get rid of viruses. Cardioprotective, again, very simple when we break it down into its two words. Cardio, having to do with the heart, and protective, protects the heart. As we age, we naturally seek out things that are going to help our heart. After all, it's been beating for a long time as we move through decade after decade. And astragalus is well suited to being cardioprotective. Diuretic. This is one of the words that with herbalist means a plant that helps the kidneys work better and therefore get rid of excess water from the body while enriching the amount of potassium and other minerals in the body. And by which doctors mean something that stimulates production of urine by the kidneys, so stressing the kidneys and reducing the amount of potassium in the body. Very, very different directions of this. So herbal diuretics, with a few exceptions, don't make you pee and pee and pee no matter what happens. They encourage the functioning of the kidneys. And once the amount of water in your cells and around your cells has normalized, they don't continue to stimulate or overstimulate your kidneys. Astragalus enhances the functioning of the lungs, the spleen, and the gastrointestinal tract. What are we leaving out here? Astragalus has a beneficial influence on every single part of the body, especially the immune system, where, again, it enhances, modulates, and restores activity within the immune system. The majority of Chinese studies use the entire herb, although it is usually the root that is used. Tea powder, 
capsules, tincture, cooked into food, just about any way you consume astragalus is going to give you benefit. Stephen puts two or three ounces of astragalus in a pot of tea and drinks it slowly throughout the day. So that's a fair amount of astragalus there in that pot of tea. And if it's powdered, you can put a fair amount into your food, too. He says, in acute conditions, up to six tablespoons full of the powder per day. And in chronic conditions, up to three tablespoons full of the powder per day. Astragalus has been used for centuries as an additive to meals, the sliced root, root in soups, and the powder in a huge variety of foods. Have you and I talked about astragalus before? I think we've just briefly mentioned it. I don't think we've done an entire show on it. Of course, last week. Yeah, I don't think so. Did I mention that I keep powdered astragalus in the kitchen and like to add it to a variety of foods? No. Yeah. So I was wondering if I had and if you had taken me up on that, because I know you have access. You sell astragalus at the store where you work, right? Yes, absolutely. Probably in multiple forms, yeah. And a lot of people come in asking for it. Oh, yeah. It's a very popular uh, herb and tea and in bulk, you know, the bulk herb section, the apothecary uh, section. So, yeah, it's it's definitely there. It's in the big bin, which means that we, people buy a lot of it. So it's Exactly. Very in the big bin. So if yeah. your store carries powdered astragalus, it's one of the easiest ways to work it into food. And it can be um, cooked into oatmeal, cooked into pancakes, cooked into muffins or cornbread or regular bread or, or uh, biscuits. It can be um, stirred into store-bought hummus. Yeah, added to beans. It can be cooked in with grains like rice. So I just add the astragalus powder to the boiling water before I put the grain, oatmeal, rice, whatever it is I'm cooking in. It can be added to lentils. It can be added, as they said, the sliced root can it goes really easily into soup. Just remember to pull it out because it's really woody and you can't eat it. One of my favorite springtime soups, in fact, is nettle soup with astragalus. Oh, okay. And if I'm f- feeling kind of racy and I have some dried mushrooms left over from the previous year, I might add some wild mushrooms to the soup and some wild ramps as well. Oh. That's a real spring song, isn't it? <laughs> and we are... Coming down to the end of time, Susan, I wanted to respect your time. You know, we are. You're so right. A half an hour goes so fast with you. I always have such a good time. Well, we will pick up again next week more interesting things about astragalus. And so it doesn't lose its uh, efficiency in a powdered form like maybe some herbs might is what you're saying. It doesn't because there's nothing volatile. It's a root. Okay. So it really maintains good efficacy, and uh, it's a good spirit, even when it's powdered. Okay. 
because I always wonder about the pills and powders sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, that that's what I'm going to um, tickle you to do. You know, when you're next at the store, get some powdered astragalus or some sliced astragalus and cook it up in some food, and let's talk about it next week. Absolutely. All right? All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. You're welcome. Remember, everybody, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. Green blessings. Thanks for having me here on the Main Street Universe. All right, and thank you so much, Susan. And everybody, you've been listening to Green Magic Medicine with your host, Susan Weed. We will be back next week, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network, the network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Let's go.